Welcome to the Layer of Secrets podcast, a podcast exploring the sprawling caverns of gaming, hidden treasures of geekdom, and the unexpected intersections of reality. I'm Ken Newquist, and I've been up since 4 a.m. because my brain wanted to think about stuff. And so if I doze off in the middle of the podcast, that's why. Just just nudge me. I'll, I'll try and wake up. <laughs> I've been there. Um, I am David Moore, and I have been delving into the Layer's retro gaming vaults this last week. Uh, there's a story about that. Uh, I, it was an unexpected <laughs> delve. Let's let's say, I, okay, I call it a delve. Really, I fell through the floor into a deeper layer, a uh, deeper section of the layer, and managed to wind up in the retro gaming area. Let me tell you the story. I la- uh, This last weekend, uh, I went to St. Louis with Aaron because we had our holiday party, our holiday work party. And since... I work remotely, and they are based in St. Louis. That's where we went. And it was a really nice visit. We arrived on Friday, worked a little bit. The party wasn't until Saturday evening, so we went to the St. Louis Science Center, uh, which we've been wanting to go to a couple of different times in past visits. It's a really beautiful set of buildings. There is the main science center. It looks like it's been growing over the years sort of thing. There's the main science center. There is a walkway that goes across the expressway, like the six, eight lanes of expressway. Um, (laughs) And they have little uh, cutout windows of different shapes. So you can look down the like 40 feet to speeding cars below. I did not want to get anywhere near those windows, but there were kids that were jumping on top of those windows. And I'm like, Okay, you are fearless and also a candidate for the Darwin Awards. Luckily, there were no accidents. But on the other side of the expressway is up is the planetarium that part that's part of it. As you walk through that area, they have a long hallway that gets to the planetarium. And so what they did was they ended up making an exhibit in this wide hallway, and it's called the Vault. Um, and so it was it, it was the thing that stuck most in my mind uh, because it had like uh, collections of seashells, collections of figurines. It had old lanterns or like railroad lanterns and ship lanterns and other stuff like that. But basically stuff that would fit in a small collector's case. And they had like six, eight of these different things. And they had where they were located, where the different artifacts came from. Um, and what they were made of, et cetera. And it was it was just a really neat exhibit. And they they had styled the entire the entire hallway. They kind of like put in fake bulkheads with fake like get smart type doors that were just always open or vault doors that had the glass in there. So it looked I mean, it was definitely not a real vault door. Uh, I think it was made from like laser cut plywood but it was like looked like all the gears and everything like that were in there so it 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 had the same aesthetic in fact above you uh where some of the lights were they put in a fake fan that rotated slowly so it would eclipse the light every so often like you like you'd see in a movie it was a fun place to go there was more than we could we could do there was like a simulator area there was a vr area that we didn't that we didn't do the omnimax was amazing we saw a film on what is the super collider that did the higgs boson i just saw this Uh, movie i should remember this name (laughs) and it's not sorry i don't know that one off the top of my head (laughs) um it's in switzerland uh, but uh it's actually and it's actually three colliders or three loops Um, They have a small loop that starts accelerating the particles and then they shunt the particles into a larger loop. And then when they are approaching the speed of light, they shove it into the biggest loop. Absolutely huge. And then they smash like it's this huge, huge futuristic dwarven underground thing that is smashing atoms, individual nuclei of lead. Um, is is what they're up to, but like individual nuclei of atoms so that they can break apart the nuclei and see the quarks inside. And it's just, it's just so interesting that you have this massive facility to smash the very smallest of objects. 
<laughs> and so that was a great movie. Uh, they have an anim- animatronic T-Rex. And when it was built, they learned more things about the anatomy of a T-Rex. And so they have a plaque there that says, hey, we've we have more info. Uh, the animatronic T-Rex has its claws facing down, but they f- figured out, oh, no, it's probably facing sideways so it can grasp, uh, okay. grasp prey and other <laughs> things like that. And the skin is a little bit different than it actually would have been, et cetera. So they have a plaque describing what it would look like if they built it today. And then there's a whole bunch in the main building. There's a whole bunch of really neat things of whatchamacallit, uh, uh, well, there's hands-on exhibits, basically. Uh, there's like a makerspace, a bunch of other things. In fact, the guy who was monitoring the makerspace, they have a little monitor to the rest of the makerspace area, and he was actually making his own Game Boy, a handheld Game Boy made out of like a Raspberry Pi and 3D printing and custom uh, joysticks, etc. Nice. So he was, nice. he was, current, he was currently design, redesigning the shell of it when we were there and he had it, he had it like open with all the guts out and everything. So it was nice. It was a really neat, it was a really neat and fun experience in case you can't tell. I like going to museums (laughs) and so does Aaron. So very nice. uh, Our biggest complaint when we went to New York last year was that we went to like the edge and one other place that was super high up to see the vistas but they didn't give us an which which we were like we could just we could just have one of these it's okay we would like to have more time at the natural history Mu- history museum thank you yes <laughs> <laughs> so um, but there was one exhibit uh, that was really interesting it was the games exhibit and okay. like at one point there there also they have like a chess set but it's vertical on the wall that you can actually play. They had ping pong, but but they were like, what would happen to ping pong or what table tennis if you changed the play surface? And so what they had actually done is it wasn't a ping pong table and paddles. It was <laughs> you had paddles, but they had a tube that was horizontal. And instead of the net being just flat on the ground, it went inside on the entire circumference on the inside. And then it's like, you could bounce the, t- the ping pong ball off of any surface on the inside of that, that tube, that cylinder. And so like you have one game, but you can create a completely different game. If you change, change the terrain basically. Wow. But the first thing that we saw when we went in there that Aaron ran over to go see was they had a bunch of different game consoles, one of which was the Atari 2600 playing Pitfall. She's like, oh, I haven't played this in forever. (laughs) Immediately (laughs) ran over and grabbed the controller, which leads me. I know I've been talking a while and I I apologize, but I also don't apologize. (laughs) It's totally okay. Thank you, Group Proof, for the Hadron Collider. I should have known this. I did know this. He, He clarified boom, boom, circle. The boom, boom, circle. Okay. The boom, boom circle. That's the technical yep. name. Yep. <laughs> so speaking of pitfall, when we finally that later that night went to the same day, later that night went to the holiday party. One of the things that they did was they gave everybody uh, a gift and we all got the Atari VCS console. This is the... Uh, the Onyx bundle. Basically, instead of you putting together a MAME cabinet on your own, it has pre-installed a whole bunch of old Atari 2600 and Atari video game cabinet stuff um, and a bunch of other things in there. So like Centipede, Millipede, and then on the Atari 2600, of course, they have Combat, um, which is like Tank Combat, uh, Sub Commander, which I had seen but never really played i didn't i didn't own it i didn't own a ton of on-brand atari games i could finally play adventure if i really wanted to (laughs) it was always my friends who had that game but not me go kill some ducks (laughs) the the thing that i find the coolest about it is this it is a bluetooth controller that is styled (laughs) in the old Atari joystick manner. 
bad ergonomics and all. So like it's enormous. I can't tell you how many broke. I can't tell you how many of those I broke. <laughs> I never broke mine, which is I broke the paddle, but because um, the paddle had like a limit. And, but if you torqued it too much, there, there's a little plastic thing that, that was the limit would break off in, on the inside. And uh, even if you glued it, it wouldn't wouldn't hold. But, yeah, it's got a button to start it up, pair it. But it's got the standard red first that is select. Uh, it's a normal joystick. You can twist the joystick if there are some things that need it. But I don't there's no Ooh. games that do that. Um, and then it's got this little shoulder button, which was not on the original, but that's kind of your back button for navigation. Could you, you should be able to use that for breakout then. Oh yeah, breakout. Like anything that would have used a paddle, like Night Driver and all of the breakout. all of the paddle based games. Yes, uh, breakout. Breakout is on there. Uh, the other thing it has is an Xbox PS4 style controller with the two okay. wings and two thumbsticks. Uh, or actually, this has a. A thumbstick, a D-pad, and like a giant red button, and then A, B, Y, X, and some shoulder buttons. It comes with two different controllers. So I, of course, started it. <laughs> it took forever to update, but it did update, and finally uh, I was able to play. The other thing that it can do, though, is you can actually install other operating systems on it, like they allow you to. So it's basically a little computer. They give gotcha. you instructions on how to install Windows 10 or 11 on it. I'm sure you can install Linux on it. But uh, I, one of the guys posted today on our uh, work chat. It's like, hey, I'm installing the virus. And he shows a picture <laughs> of his of his Atari with Windows 10 running and Steam being installed. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is an in joke for our our founder. He always he always thinks that Steam is a virus because uh, evidently it's not kind on the Office network. He jokes about it, but he he definitely does not like Steam on on any sort of uh, computer. So yeah, so I look forward to playing a little bit more. I want to try and find a game or two that we might uh, that that. Tegan and I might have fun with at least for a few minutes and, and play around with. Um, and then there's of course a store where you can buy more stuff, uh, okay. but it comes with a ton of games out of the box. So, and of course, yeah. because Aaron is a, is an employee, we ended up with two. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do with the other one. Uh, probably going to the nephews or something. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. So, or the daughters, but I don't know if we already have the one here. So, right, and it's it's hard to lure kids into playing like these ancient games. I, I've made my son play a couple of them when I was doing my uh, heavy into my Ready Player One replay because we got some two player Atari games. I'm like, dude, we're gonna play combat. It's like, what? <laughs> it's one of those things that uh, I think I can lure her into it for for short sessions, and it may go to the nephews because. Uh, they they're young enough that their screen time is still very limited. And gotcha. uh, my sister really <laughs> wants to be able to monitor them. Um, and as a single mom, she's, you know, she doesn't want to hand them like a tablet and then let them go willy nilly. They have tablets, right. but they're only used in certain areas and they only have certain apps on them. And so they might find it fun to have a selection of old games. Um, and of course, my sister used to play the Atari 2600, so she, right, might, she right. might like it. Yeah, so I, I actually got the Atari Flashbacks Classics for the Switch. Um, I when think I was doing my that game, is exactly my, the same set that I have. It's so. very close, I think, because um, I was looking at the two of them. I'm like, well, this is going to be a lot cheaper. Um, the the downside though is there are certain games like you, you if you if it required a game paddle, look, you're just not going to be able to play it on the Switch. Mm. The the controllers are not kind. Um, it breakouts really just hard to to anything that makes you moving back and forth when you're trying to use the touchpad uh, or the like the sticks is yep. just not it's just not conducive to to doing that. Yeah, but I'll tell you what is conducive to playing game uh, a game that is great for the Switch is Portal because I got the Portal uh, Companion Edition for the Switch, which that came out a couple cool. months ago, and like it is 1? fantastic. Portal One and Portal Two. Oh, and two. Oh, okay, okay, cool, cool. It's a bundle. It's got extra maps. It's got challenges. It's got achievements. It's like it's basically like I think I'm trying to remember. 
I'm just looking at the orange box. I don't think I have it before me, behind me anymore, which is the original, like, you know, orange box for uh, like God. pre-Steam or the beginning pre-Steam. of Steam. Uh, orange box well, and I'm Portal a- and Half-Life. Thank or you, Half-Life. Half-Life. I was completely spacing on Half-Life, Half-Life 2. Really might have been Half-Life 2. I think it might have been Half-Life 2. But in any case, it's fantastic. I haven't actually thrown it up on my uh, on my television yet, but just being able to play a, a, like a fun puzzler on your switch really easily is, yep. is is just nice like you're hanging out on your sofa and and portals the kind of game like you just you pot you fire it up you complete a, a quick little level you move on to the next one and then you put it back down again right so uh and it, the the dark humor is just it's still great it's even mm-hmm. funnier knowing how the game ends <laughs> yep yep so uh i i uh like i, I recommend not, it i would not have bought the atari vcs on my own but it was given to me. So I'm going to try and right. take advantage of that. Um, <laughs> but uh, portal sounds cool. I probably won't install steam on this because I have a steam deck and I'll just, play, right. I will play portal on the steam deck. So, so if you want a, a partner for portal Two, just let me know. And we can both have fun trying to like coordinate our actions over the internet <laughs> on handheld devices instead of with mouse and keyboard. That'll that be would be pretty hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I wholeheartedly recommend it. It, it. It's been great. A lot of people have said it's been fantastic and, and they were right. <laughs> cool. It's just fun to fire up and play and like hearing Gladys doing her thing and just uh, it, it made me smile when I fired it up for the first time this weekend. Um, there are uh, there are so many things that are have come out since then that either have Glados or or Cave Johnson that are just amazing. In fact, the Steam Deck has a a starter app that it comes with uh, called Desk Job that helps you get used to the controller. But you're basically uh-huh. like this quality control engineer for toilets um, in the first one. Um, and of course, the. Um, oh, yeah. And Guru Proof, uh, Chris Miller is saying uh, is reminding us uh, that she's also in Cyberpunk 2077 in certain spots. Um, I have not gotten that far yet. So yeah, it's not like a it's a it's like a you, you may play through the entire time and not ever hear it. But it, it <laughs> okay. She is there. The de- desk job, there's another character very similar to Wheatley who ends up weaponizing one of the toilets, you know, <laughs> and you end up going to jail because of all the damage that you cause. Uh, and you end up meeting Cave Johnson or rather Cave Johnson's artificially intelligent head. Yeah, it's it gets crazy and it's fun. Um, I, I think it's a, it is available, I'm pretty sure, for non Steam decks, but it, it just comes with standard with the Steam deck. So like. Cool. If you get it, if you buy a Steam Deck, they add it to your library. Um, but if you haven't, if you don't have a Steam Deck, I'm pretty sure you can still play it. Um, and I heartily recommend playing it if you like the Portal series. It's got cool. more of the same humor. Delving into another area of the lair with my super smooth segue. Uh, <laughs> we have a lot of segues hanging around. They're always charging, but... Um, that's right. That's right. You, just, know, you just pull one off the shelf and plug it in. Sometimes you have yeah. to fumble a bit to find one, but yeah, yeah they're always there. Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there really will be a revolution in, in how we, how humans travel. Um, I don't know if you remember that that was actually one of the things that the CEO the other se- said. <laughs> yeah. Those segues. Those segues. Yeah. Just traveling around. I thought you, I thought you meant more plug and play segues for oh, the podcast. No, no. I was, I was making, I was a, running with the metaphor. Yeah. And I was, I was, uh, doing a little play on words there. Um, badly, evidently. I, I can't juggle either. Um, again, sleep deprived. <laughs> continuing on that same Saturday, uh, I had an eventful Saturday. At the office party, I was uh, reminded that uh, we had hired somebody and he introduced he had introduced himself or was introduced as like the D&D guy on our chat when he was hired when he was hired. And I was a little a little miffed at that. It's like, no, I'm the (laughs) D&D guy. Aaron's the D&D girl. But it turns out 
Um, <laughs> what it really meant, what they really meant was, yes, he does play D&D, he plays games, but he was explicitly hired to run tabletop RPGs as team building exercises. That's and fantastic. so that is what we uh, <laughs> that is one of the things that that the sister company that I that basically it's it's kind of one company. They're just two different names so they can separate out the marketing for them. But like uh, and I think legally they're technically separate, but he's he is on the sister company side and they're marketing his services to do team building. Um, and wow. so I talked with him a bit at the. At the holiday party, he may we might have him on for an interview if if we can find the uh, a compatible time since he's in California. So, oh okay, yeah, we that requires a little bit of juggling, but you know yeah. we've got portals. Yeah, we do, we do. He'll be getting off work just as we start the podcast, so we can always go later. <laughs> we could go later. Maybe we're, you're tired already. Maybe I just as, as long as I, as long as, you know, I get in a nap and like make sure I get like 10 hours of sleep the night before. It'll be just fine. Cool. Cool. You had been talking about bullet. You, you introduced me to bullet journaling and had been talking yeah. about a ga- gamer bullet journaling. But you're going a little deeper into that now. Aren't you? Yeah. So I've, I've used a bullet journal to keep track of my role playing game notes uh i use it for my lunchtime campaign which is just wrapping up um i've been using it i can't say it's a full-on bullet journal um but i have my my journal that i keep track of my campaign notes for the games that i play in because i find especially playing online i pay much more attention if i'm doodling and like writing down what's actually happening rather than just being distracted by the internet so i've been doing that for a bit but here's the thing i am dangerously close to being 51 uh i have entirely too many responsibilities (laughs) which distract me from my true quest of being able to play more video games and so it's you know it it, going back all the way back in time to when i was first playing the atari 2600 uh and the commodore 64 and ultima 4 and all of these like great old games right Mm -hmm. there were no in-game journals for any of these games if you wanted to keep track of stuff, you had to keep track of stuff longhand, right? Yep. Or maybe type up your notes later. But like I had spiral bound notebook after spiral bound notebook to just keep track of all of the games that I was playing because there were there were like hints or there were secrets or there were like, hey, this scene, this, I encountered this random NPC. I'm never going to find this person again. I better make a note, right? Yep. Um, it's funny how things come around again because now <laughs> there are all these journals. But uh, I still don't remember where I am. Uh, it's not because I'm losing my memory. It's just because, you know, I haven't played Cyberpunk 2077 in uh, two weeks, I think, because we're trying to hire somebody at work. We're getting ready for Christmas. Scouts is like got rechartering like it's just completely bonkers. Right. And so I've been thinking, you know, I, what I need is a journal to keep track of where I left off. Right. Like, mm-hmm. OK, here's the current quest you're on. And the game is going to help you with what the current quest is. But the thing that I found the most challenging is the games that require you to collect a bunch of things, right? So Animal right. Crossing, right? Yeah. Like you're trying to craft the thing. Uh, what the heck? What, what do I need? Oh, I need three glowing vine things and what have you. But if you just keep track of it in your bullet journal, then, you know, you, you can easily pick it back up again. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this too. My daughter, when she was home from college, got really back, back into Dragon Age Inquisition. And this is the other thing that got me thinking about it because I remember playing Dragon Age Inquisition and I kind of burned out on it because it requires so much management, right? And I, I'm a big, I loved Knights of the Old Republic. Like I loved those games that were really crunchy and had all these little pieces and you need to go out and find all of the different components so you can get the blaster with the ray splitter with the scope and like all of the special <laughs> things, right? And like yep. five different variants for your lightsaber. That's fantastic, but it's really hard to keep track of when you're not playing every day, right? Right, right. So that got me on to, you know, maybe what I need is a bullet journal, right? Give me a little bit more focus. Keep some of this stuff uh track now i could play less complicated games like i don't have this problem with portal <laughs> right right <laughs> but when you're playing dragon quest or you're playing cyberpunk 2077 there's a fair amount to keep track of yeah, yeah. so i started doing some research uh i'm gonna keep track of it i'm gonna start doing the gamer bullet journal from the back of my dnd slash star wars bullet journal um We'll see. I've been looking for spreads on Pinterest. If people have suggestions, uh, feel free to share them with us as comments or what have you, you know, dump it onto Dice Camp. Um, 
I think it's uh, going to you know help my sanity. And I always am looking for excuses to draw and write stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I've got, cool. I like the, the lectern journal format uh, in that size. Since it's the end of the year and I'm running out of space in the current one, I'm like, okay, <laughs> let me just buy one official bullet journal. Uh, okay. And actually try my journals. Like I may start out with the, the bullet journal idea, but then they come become daily to-do lists uh, after a yes. while. And so I figure new journal, I'll go with the, the full fledged bullet journal that actually has some instructions in there. I think I have the bullet journal method book. Um, I should probably re reread or skim that again. Um, I never read the full thing. There's a lot of philosophy <laughs> stuff in there rather than in addition to the instructions on how to do it. Um, gotcha. So yeah, I, I'm going to try that just plain old bullet journaling, but like do it fully, not my version of it. Um, and so gotcha. I'm interested in seeing how that would map, uh, how you map that to, to gaming. Yeah. I think part of it too, is like the actual journaling piece, like the dashes, Hey, this is what I did while I was playing this game this day. I think one of the things where I was exploring this topic on Pinterest, cause I go to Pinterest to look for this kind of stuff for all my campaign inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of bullet journaling stuff on Pinterest. And unfortunately like three quarters of the stuff you come across are people just using video games to inspire their spreads in okay. their bullet journal, right? So here is a Mario Brothers themed calendar, right? right. Or here's a, you know, a portal themed <laughs> um, habit tracker or something, right? Um, which is all well and good. And like, they've got some great artists and it, it looks fun and I'm sure it's enjoyable, but that's not the problem I'm trying to solve, right? right. I'm not going for artsy. I'm going for going organizing for ideas. <laughs> I'm going for functional. Right. I always go for right. functional when it comes to my bullet journal. So we'll see. I, I, I was t- toying with putting it into my regular bullet journal, but I go through those pretty quickly. Like every five to six months. And the more stuff I put into that journal, the faster I'm going to go through those journals. Right. And I like being able to look back on at least like the last quarter, maybe the last five months, because there's that random thing from a couple of months ago that you needed to find. So mm-hmm. it's just easier to keep it all in my uh, gamer journal. Sure. So. Sure. You mentioned uh, like doing tick marks for like each individual thing that you did during a particular game, uh, which reminded me of uh, a couple of things in terms of like XP specifically for Dungeons and Dragons. Um, Like a lot of people that I know are using milestone XP and everybody levels up at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. But there was, uh, there's some contention about that because, you know, one of the things that can help engage players is individual XP, but you have to have like good guidelines for the rewards for that. Um, yeah. Like, and the gaming group that I was in with Aaron back in the college days uh, that was role playing heavy, we actually had a sheet that was just <laughs> XP. And that was one night. Okay. And and you would you would write, you know, your your name, your character name, and then you'd write everything you did that <laughs> you thought was worthy of XP. Like, hey, we got in this fight. Hey, we role played with this person. Hey, we solved this thing. Hey, we did this other thing. Hey, we had this idea and built this monstrous, you know, thing over here. Hey, we uh, we dropped a giant rock on the Elven Kingdom. You know, that sort of that did happen, (laughs) by the way. It was not my fault. Um, Actually, that was Aaron's fault. Um, But but uh, she'll tell you the story one day if people ask Um, the uh, uh, but like that was uh, like we would hand that in and then the GM would go line by line and give XP for each individual thing. And then a total at the end. And now mostly this was second, this was all second edition D and D. So, mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't like a third edition D and D I think is when everybody leveled up at the same XP level, like a, th- like a thousand points was level two and 3000 oh, yeah, yeah. points like, was level all the progressions three. Evened out. All the progressions yeah. evened out. Whereas, Second edition was like, you know, a fighter needs 5,000 XP to go to level two, but a mage needs 8,000 XP to go to level two. No real reasoning behind that, (laughs) um, except for that, you know, at higher levels, 
uh, like it takes more ex- brain power and work to be a mage than it does to swing a sword theoretically. Um, and also, uh, uh, fireballs kill a lot more things <laughs> than a single sword swing. Um, yes. But then again, yes. second edition, uh, fighter could swing a sword a heck of a lot of times. It's true. We were already leveling up at different times. And, but so this gave us an incentive to be, well, one, it gave us an incentive to role play because role playing was by far the most XP that, that GMs gave out because that's what we all wanted to do and wanted out of the game. So right. um, good role playing and role playing in character is, was heavily rewarded. The thing that wasn't really rewarded was the, I think we threw out the one XP per gold piece. Because um, oh. <laughs> that was that was first and second edition. That was um, that was a thing was, hey, I got 50 gold pieces. That means I got 50 experience points. Um, right. So that went away. But yeah, so your your comment of doing the bullet journaling with each individual tick, like if I still had those sheets, I could pull those sheets up and remember exactly what happened that night. Um, right. And I. I'm going to start adopting that when I start doing uh, like a longer term game. I'm going to uh, I think I will start a at least a journal with all those all those little bullet points. If I'm a player, if I'm a GM, it's a little harder taking notes sometimes. Yes. But yes. It's much harder. It's much harder to do it as a GM. <laughs> yeah, you, have, you have a little less time since you're juggling all those players. Yes. Yes. We we seem to be really in the retro caves because yes, um, <laughs> we're lost in the past. Topic, uh, <laughs> well, this is kind of a blast from the past that has had a sequel to it. Um, so why don't you tell us about the return of Willow? Willow is back. So the movie came out in Go Go Internet. Oh, please don't tell me. Nineteen eighty seven, eighty eight. Ouch. Okay. 1988 Willow came out. I believe I saw it in theaters. I was oh, in high school I at that time. I saw it in theaters, and I think I saw it multiple times in theaters. Oh, I didn't go that far. Um, you know, and it was it was fun. It has uh, some notable characters. You know, it's it's kind of a little bit generic fantasy. You know, there's a, a evil queen who's trying to kill the newborn princess, and uh, the title character Willow has to. Um, save her and get her to safety and uh, Val Kilmer shows up at some point and uh, is a master it, swordsman. <laughs> it kind of broke the, a, a bit of the mold though with it did. respect to sword and sorcery because the main character was Willow who is a little person, a Nelwyn. Yes. Who is not. And because the sword and sorcery up to that point was like Conan and Deathstalker and all these, you know, this is very true. Muscular buff people with swords. And he was like, not, uh, he was, he wanted to be a mage, but he had some doubts about himself. And basically the, the wizard of the village says, okay, you're going to be chosen. Like, like he, he fakes the choosing so that Willow <laughs> can go. Cause he knows that Willow has potential, but he's not really a sorcerer, but he's got a little bit of sorcery. And so, right. like, yeah, it definitely not your your uh, your Conan the Barbarian setup. <laughs> no, no, it plays with it plays. Yeah, definitely, it plays a little bit inside of the inside of the genre and cha- challenges a little a few of your uh, assumptions. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. At the time, I wasn't in love with it. I think maybe I wasn't playing D anD D when I was in high school, so okay. I think I was in probably That's more probably of us. Why I liked it a lot more. I, more. I, comic book sort of mode sure um i sure. love the two-headed dragon wyvern thing that bur- <laughs> breathed fire in the keep oh, that was right, a great battle right, right. yeah it had some great little set pieces it did i, I guess i, I just watched the, it again i i always i always viewed them as like lenny and squiggy from laverne and shirley <laughs> but they but I, it wasn't i don't think it was those actors when i was a kid i could have sworn one of them definitely was like lenny um, I think it was Lenny. Might have been Squiggy. It's been so long. Um, yes, but like the little pixies, the little brownies that are there. I loved their their comedy counterpoint to everything. You know, the fact that they stole the baby 
uh, etc. It's like I stole the baby. Uh, I don't. They, I don't think they knew what they were going to do with the baby, but they just, right, they it just was, the baby was there. They're going to steal it. They're like smaller Kender. Yes, I really yes. liked it. I know it didn't pick up with you, but we have. They've made a series now. Yes, based on it, but it's not like picking up exactly where it left off. It's picking up. 18 years after it left off or, or is it like to the day, like real life <laughs> movie life? I'm thinking, I think it's like 18. Cause I, I think, think it's like 18 years. That's I think how old Alora is. Yeah. The, the main character, Laura was a baby in the first movie. And so now in the series, she's like approximately 18. Right. Yeah. So, um, Time has passed. Mm-hmm. Time has passed so that all of our, uh, you know, you can feel a kinship with everybody who's gotten older. <laughs> um, yep. There is, uh, you know, it, we were also introduced to the to the new generation. Um, the heroes from the first movie uh, have had kids and there's uh, certain intrigues afoot. And it's, you know, what? I, I'm just enjoying it. I mean, I like I enjoyed Willow to a certain extent. Like, it's one of those movies that I would fire up. But I think when even when I was in college, like all my friends would like we would fire up Conan. Right. Like we, and we would even co- fire up Conan the Destroyer before we would like break out Willow. Uh, but I'm definitely have a certain amount of nostalgia for it at this point. And, you know, the the series, I found it to be like it's a little goofy. It's like sometimes a little self-serious, but a lot snarky at the right moments and just generally entertaining. It reminds me of like my favorite D&D campaigns. Right. Yep. No, right? I, it's got I that agree. mix. Yeah, because it's got it's got the seriousness, but it's got the comedy of like people cracking each other up at the table, you know, with the, yes. you know, I, I, you know, the, the, the line, I stole the baby. And, you know, <laughs> uh, and of course, Mad Mardigan is, you know, a constant source of snark. Yes. And the, they, when the pixies put the love potion on him and he falls in love with Sorsha, it's like, I don't love her. I hate her. She kicked me in the face. And then he gets the look on his face of, do I really hate her? Maybe I love her, <laughs> you know, and, and back then to, uh, I guess, 15 year old me, that was a, you know, that was a very appealing movie, especially since I'd been playing. I don't think I've ever said this. I started d and It's been it's hard for me to remember exactly now if it was like third or fourth grade. I went to mm. a summer camp, you know, my my first character. I th- we talked about our first characters in a past episode of of Conan, the halfling. I right. he's a thief or maybe it was a fighter like that really got me into D&D then. And so I was I was prime candidate for Willow fandom when it came out. Plus, it was George Lucas who made Star Wars. Yeah. And I thought I think I was I think I was looking for more Star Wars. And I, I did. You don't get quite get Star Wars. Oh, no, but no, it was it was good. <laughs> for me. It was good. Luckily, it didn't suffer too much on the dialogue department like, you know, some people complain about. I think what really uh, slight tangent, I think what really happened is we needed the original editor on Star Wars, uh, which happened to end up being George Lucas's wife and then ex-wife. We needed her back for episodes one, two and three. And I think it would have yes. gone much better yes. you know, or at least someone with her sensibilities and the ability to say no to George Lucas. <laughs> That was that I right. think is what really held things back <laughs> is the ability to say no, even though George probably would have been fine with being told no if it made the movie better. Yeah. Yeah. So check out Willow. It's fun. I think I've watched the first three episodes. I'm looking forward to watching some more of it this weekend. It's coming out. It's on Disney Plus. I think it's coming out weekly. I think the first two or three episodes were available when it launched. So like the first um, although I just started watching it. The first two are like the pilot episodes. And each one is like an hour long. Are, are, is episode three an hour long as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah, those I think are, they're all an hour long. Pretty long and, episodes. That's which. And is there cool. was a, I have to say, the most recent episode. I uh, I'll have to see if I can find a link to it for the show notes. There is a at the at the end of every episode, they end with some sort of pop song, right? Because as, as someone pointed out online, like the Willow theme does not carry. The same sort of nostalgia or that gravitas. the Star Wars theme. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's just yeah. not. It's just not that right. right. And so, uh, for the end credits, they've been coming up with these different, these different, um, different pop songs, like covers of different pop songs, and or different 
just I don't think they're all pop because this was definitely not pop. But the most recent one was Enter Sandman by Metallica. Oh, really? Wow. And it is a fantastic cover. Um, it was it was it was cool. There's a woman who's singing it. I have never heard her before. Um, and I, I had Enter Sandman stuck in my head for two days after watching this episode. <laughs> all right. Tangent time. Um, Aaron had. Yes. Uh, Aaron found a band called Hidden Citizens and they make in their I believe it's in their own words epic covers of old songs. <laughs> so uh they have an epic version of Paint It Black. They have an epic version of For Elise. Um they have an epic version of o, epic version of O Fortuna. Uh they ha- they have all sorts of stuff. They've been around for for several years. So it would not surprise me if that cover was by Hidden Citizens because they're they're really quite good. Uh, what was it? Yeah. It was Enter Sandman. Enter Sandman. It was actually I think I think it was released as part of a tribute album for Metallica's Black Album, like as as like an anniversary version of the Black Album or something like that. I I looked it up and then I didn't actually put it into the show notes because I wasn't I wasn't thinking that I was just to talk about it, but it was fantastic <laughs> and uh, cool. You know, I mean, that album came out when I was like a sophomore in college and I listened to it endlessly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that was a, that was a CD that was played on repeat a lot in the yes. in the dorm that uh, that I was in the dorm room I was in. That was a pretty, pretty epic one, which funnily enough, I didn't own it. <laughs> I think I think I taped it from uh my friend chuck's cd it was pretty uh it was it was an epic album yeah so uh main topic (laughs) do we have one did we come up with one oh we did did. kind of (laughs) uh kind of (laughs) we were gonna go uh like speaking of your gm bullet journal the fact that i am now thinking of things like running a lunchtime game at work but also next early next year, I'm hoping that the that my in-person games restarts again. We were going to look at your your GM toolkit that you had recently taken to Mepicon. Indeed. How did it work? So did it did it work it out worked, well? Yeah, I think it worked out. It worked out pretty well. Uh, it's a, it's so I have two. Um, one is for Savage I was about Worlds, to say that and yep. one is. One is for like regular size Dungeons and Dragons, and it's important because the boxes uh, hold the different size uh, rule books, right? So the bigger one can easily hold uh, fifth edition D and D books um, or Dungeon Crawl Classics, which is what I actually played at Mepicon, Um Whereas the smaller one easily fits all the Savage World books. So um, both of them are flat out. Oh, let's see if we can pick one up. Oh, there we go. Look at that. You get, oh my gosh, that thing's huge. Yes, it's, and this is like it's a bit unwieldy. I wouldn't want to take it to Gen Con. Yeah, yep. um, it works out pretty well. So the, the beautiful thing about it is that it has. I'm going to actually use the smaller one, which looks it, it's exactly the same as the bigger one. It's just smaller, tighter. Yep, <laughs> tighter. Uh, so it's got uh, a nice compartment that you can open in the top. So for this one, this is the Savage Worlds edition. Uh, we need some Savage World stickers. Yeah, uh, you've got top space in the top to fit just a whole bunch of cards. So I backed the Savage Worlds Kickstarter, and in here I've got my templates, I've got my status cards, I've got my adventure deck, I've got my action deck, which is the basically the playing card. So it's all just really easy to get out of here. And when I someday I will run Savage Worlds in the real world, and it's going to be fantastic. Cool. Um, in addition, the center compartment. Uh, here, let's see if I got my Savage Worlds book handy. Yes, I do. Do this without hurting myself. So, Savage Worlds rulebook easily slides into here. So, I can just take whatever books I'm going to be running for that particular nice. con and just shove them in here. Now, did um, that, so that fits? Did that come with like? I, I see that there's two plastic divider things that I'm sure you're going to talk yeah. about in a second. Did it yeah. come with three, and you just leave the top one out so you can put a yeah. book in? Gotcha. I'll just leave the top one out to t- and the other the great thing about savage worlds is that you know the books usually the source books are pretty small right so i'm holding up the superpowers companion it's pretty thin compared to the core rule book they're digest size so they're just uh if you're gonna run savage worlds at a con and i love running savage worlds at a con it 
just fits really well. Yep. Some fate, fate or blades in the dark sized books would probably also yes. fit there. Yes. So. This is this, this is the, you're going to a con and you're running the small games. <laughs> gotcha. um, it did come with these inserts. So these nice, nice sealed trays. Um, the one I'm holding up right now currently has, I have different tokens for Savage Worlds. So I've got my map markers. I've got my um, bennies, which are, you know, you can use uh, poker chips. I've often used these little crystals that are in here. I have uh, status counters for like that are blue or red to indicate whether someone's been uh, stunned or if they're how many wounds they have. Um, and then I have green tokens just for whatever the heck I want to use green tokens for. The um, the Savage Worlds Kickstarter actually came with uh, bennies as well. <laughs> so they're actually like uh, poker chip style bennies and nice. uh, Savage Worlds specific dice and all the status tokens. So I haven't actually had a chance to use any of these things yet. Um, but thanks, COVID. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, thanks, COVID. I got it. And then, you know, reality shut down for a little bit. So um, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Uh, I was just wondering, like, what is the like we're definitely not sponsored uh but what is the what is the brand of that if if anybody wanted to pick one up they are plano okay so p l a n o known for tackle boxes um, yeah. these are all, i think these are all are they, technically tackle they're supposed to be it's supposed ahead. to be a tackle box they're supposed to be a tackle box gotcha gotcha um, they actually have a lot of different things that are out there. I think they also make stuff. They, they end up being used for crafting and those sorts of things as well. I have to imagine I got into these because friends of mine were doing uh, the X-Wing game, the Star Wars X-Wing game and storing all of their stuff in it because it was like the perfect form factor. And actually Heroclix, like fitting the Heroclix figures into the boxes was absolutely perfect. And so I, ha I, I could just imagine the folks at Plano being like, why the hell are we selling so many of these particular cases, right? Like if they don't have geeks at the company and they're just not realizing like you've got hundreds, thousands of geeks buying a particular tackle box. And it's like, yep. huh, why are fishermen so interested in this? Like, are we skewing the whole freaking tackle box? Probably, market, right? probably, <laughs> but like hopefully or, or other companies pick up on it. And then like market it to gamers, you know, in some yeah. cases, some cases. Yeah. So I, I think that's the case. I think they, I think they have been picking up on it. Cause this has been going on for like a decade. <laughs> gotcha. When I was in high school, my English teacher's husband ran a game that they actually like, they knew I was a gamer and I can't kind of came in as like a provisionary member for a little while. I think my parents probably got tired of shuttling me back and forth for that game. Um, so it didn't last for a ton of time, but one of the, one of the players there had had a case of their own. This is more player, but it could definitely be used for GM was an auditor's case is what it was called. Okay. It was, uh, it was basically a, a square box or a, a rectangular sort of boxy shape, uh, with a, with a handle Samsonite makes them or made them. And then like when you let go of the handle, you could flip open one side and then flip open the other side. It was like laid on top, the covers laid on top of each other. So you'd open one and then you'd open the other, but it was a hard sided case. Uh, it was usually, it was leather. So it was, it was rigid case, not hard sided, but yeah, rigid case. Um, and it perfectly fit the second edition D and D books. Um, and so you could put in like a D and D your, all the D and D books that you would need, all your character sheets, everything like that. And I think there was just enough room between the, the books and the lid or, or the, the flaps for the lid to put like your dice bag. And so gotcha. he'd come in with that all the time. But also at that time I was not driving. So my, my go-to was always putting everything in my backpack and getting on my getting on my bike. So <laughs> an auditor's case as cool as it was, was not practical for me. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I don't suppose that has backpack straps, which is why no, you it said, does not. which is why you said you weren't going to be carrying it to Gen Con. Yes, exactly. So it, it, the, the nice thing about the big one. And so I, I got back into this because for many years we played in my game room, which is where I am right now. Mm -hmm. um, and being in my game room, I knew where everything was. Um, when we started going to an other people's houses again, uh, I typically I just stored everything in milk crates, but it got really unwieldy. Right. Uh, and occasionally the books would crush your fingers as you were trying to like carry the milk crates around. So yep. um, I, I, I have I, done I, that I'm myself. 
done that myself. <laughs> I had milk crates and like a lunchbox. I have this old Batman lunchbox that I inherited from a friend. <laughs> um, it, you know, it worked, but this is definitely for that use case of just going to a friend's house. The big one is and and playing Dungeons and Dragons at a friend's house that the big one is is much better for that. It also has a lot of space for things like index cards, which yep. are an essential DM uh, tool. Definitely. Definitely. I've got once you get into the big, the other one, the big one's just got a lot of storage. And so that's the other thing that makes it really helpful for this sort of thing. So I have one tray. You can hear the rattling. Uh, this is entirely filled with hero quest figures. Oh, OK. Right? So these are just generic plastic fantasy figures that I've used for almost all of my games for like the last 20 years. I don't even remember. Um, I inherited this. I think I either inherited this from a friend or I, I got it in an auction at Mepicon. I can't even remember. But I can't tell you how essential these have been to my campaign. Like I have actual minis as well, uh-huh. but this is like, you're going to a friend's house. You don't have time to get the minis together. Okay, cool. It's just ready to go. Yep. Um, and then the other one, this is actually heavier. Uh, like in the smaller box, it's got a variety of tokens. It's got a variety of different kinds of dice. So in this one, because it's bigger, I've got all of the poker chips. I've got my crystals for representing inspiration. I've cool. got a whole bunch of D sixes because everybody always needs D sixes. Yes. Um, I have my funky uh, dungeon crawl classics dice. I have my random dungeon generation dice um, and some other tokens. I have my fate dice. Nice. So nice. Uh, you know, it's all, it's all good. And of course, random pens and stuff. And the nice thing about this is, and now that I'm, I'm, I'm organized, like sometimes we'll go up to my in-laws place up in the Poconos and I'll just grab this because it's got all of my dice. Like if I'm going to be working on my campaign over the weekend, I don't need to take the whole box. Right. I can just take the tray and I have another, a number of like extra trays because I'm like, as you noted, I took some of them out to be able to fit stuff in, fit books in. And so, you know, it's an option for storing the other stuff in your game room, right? Like you don't necessarily, it's not that you necessarily have to take the case somewhere. Having the case just helps you be organized. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so ultimately to answer your question. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, it went pretty good. It was a little like, thankfully it wasn't a big con. And so I wasn't like walking into people. I also wasn't, I was playing in games. I wasn't running games aside from, um, Gaslands. Yeah. Um, and at this con, I had all my Gaslands stuff in here too. Well, actually, I had all my friend Nate's Gaslands stuff in here, but it all fit very nicely. <laughs> right, right. I think uh, for my books, I actually um, kept most of the books in my backpack. I got a lightweight backpack that we talked about um, a couple years ago yep. <laughs> at this point. <laughs> a couple of seasons. We'll somewhere. say a, a season or two ago. A season or two ago, I got this yeah. like really nice lightweight Osprey pack. And uh, the nice thing about it, I wasn't sure how that was going to function at a con. It worked well because I it forced me to not take too many books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, right. it's it's a it's interesting when you're GMing, especially at a convention. There is a certain amount of of content of books or whatever that you have to take. And and you might not want to take like a tablet or something might not be available on a tablet, you know, or you might be a little worried that the tablet would walk off. So like yeah. having having your books there is is like and be able to maybe have more than one book open is good in, in your module or whatever. Backpacks, you can stuff your backpack and it's very heavy or you have your GM kit. There's also like the rolly suitcase style or or the or the things that basically are like a a milk crate, but it has a handle and, and wheels on it. Um, I've yes. seen, I've used, I used one of those one con and it basically disintegrated, uh, cause it was cheap. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it is, it's still kind of, you know, situational. If I'm going to a con, I wouldn't want to take the tackle box, but I want something like a backpack that, has compartments that, but it, that isn't the board gamer backpack, which can hold right. like Gloomhaven in it and still have room, <laughs> um, uh, you know, or, or like, you know, any, any convention that you would go to, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a case of how much do you actually want to be carting around all the time and how can you do that comfortably and yet still have access to all the stuff easily. I, th- I think if I, you know, hoping to go to Mepicon again in the spring and hopefully running Gaslands again in the spring and hopefully printing a bunch of 3D stuff for Gaslands <laughs> in the spring. Um, but I think I would take the smaller one. I think I would just retask the Savage Worlds box for whatever games I was going to be playing because it's less unwieldy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just 
I think it would just be, and I, and I would streamline, right? So I would just take the essential books that I need. To your point, I, I often like taking the physical like core rule book because I can reference that. And if I have my tablet, I can either pass my book over to that person while I'm looking at the rule on a tablet right. Or, right. or what have you, right? Or I have like my quick reference things on my tablet, but the book is just easier to flip through because I already bookmarked it to the monsters I need or the spells that I need or, or what have you. Um, Backpack wise, you know, I think I've got I think it's a, a 20 liter pack um, and everyone's like, oh, it's a 20 liter pack. Well, now I know because when I bought it, I didn't know what a 20 liter pack was. Right. Thanks to Philmon, I know what a 20 liter pack is and I know what an 85 liter pack <laughs> is. I, th- I think if I wasn't going to bring the case and I was just going to go backpack uh, because like, say, for Gen Con, I would. I'm going to be looking for like a 45 liter pack, like a reasonable pack with some nice internal compartments. And then use the trays. I've been really happy with this pack. Um, I'm trying to zip it up, so sorry. It's from Eagle Creek. It's uh, it's this pack here. When it's empty, it squashes down. But oh, when, nice. when it's when it's full, like it it contain it can contain a lot. Uh, I believe this is a 30 liter. Uh, it's got a front compartment that zips down the side that has uh that has some drain holes in it so if you have like a a swimsuit you can throw it in here and and the all the stuff in here (laughs) is is water resistant so it's not going to leak to the rest of your pack it's got a nice easy handy pouch here water bottle thing on the side which is why i have a carabiner is because doesn't matter how deep or secure the water bottle thing is if i don't secure it with like a carabiner like my water bottle has a loop that i secure with the carabiner here right if i don't do that it's gonna fly out so uh that's not the backpack's fault but uh yeah it's got a lot of little mesh areas inside the front area is like if i puff it up and bring it over here i mean it's it's pretty thick yeah, you're almost your whole arm in there, right? Oh, I can fit. Yeah, I can fit almost up to my shoulder in it uh, is how deep it is. And that's that's the front compartment. The back compartment is padded for a laptop um, and it's got a couple sections in it. Uh, I found out that there's the laptop section and there's this tiny little pocket in front of it. Turns out my iPad fits perfectly in it. Um, oh, so they designed nice. it well for that, too. Um, and then they've got <laughs> a bigger area in front of the laptop area. It's got these nice little pass-throughs here so I can put my giant battery in in this area and feed the USB cord up. And then it's got a little clip here where the USB cord can hold onto it. So it's not flapping around all over the place. Um, And then finally, it's got kind of like a more secure, but mostly for flat things, this goes right against your back. Um, Okay. And it's got like a loop if you want to put your car keys or whatever here. Um, or whatever, but like, if you have like passports or something and you want to stick it where people can't open the the main part of the bag, um, I haven't really used it. Um, but it also has a pass through to the main part up to the top part. So if you have a flat battery, which I do not, if you have a more flat (laughs) battery, you could feed the power cord all the way up through, um, or, or an ancient thing called an iPod could probably fit back in here. (laughs) Um, and you could feed I got one of those corded headphones through. <laughs> um, to everyone out there, there's a lot of great ways to make player and GM kits for your game. I really like the idea of being able to pick up a case and just go. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I can't do that with my backpack because that's more my work stuff. Um, right. I always end up emptying it, put gaming stuff in it, emptying it, put work stuff in it. So I don't have a dedicated thing there, but I, I think it might be kind of nice to do if I'm game, especially if I'm gaming outside of my house on a regular basis. So if that yeah. happens, I'm going to be taking, take some pointers from Ken's setup <laughs> there. I want to hear from everybody else out there what your gaming setup is. Like, what is your GM or player toolkit that you bring everywhere? Or your, or, or if you want to get into the, the rabbit hole of the everyday carry, what is your gamer everyday carry? You know, your tabletop gamer everyday carry. Or if you're into, uh, if you're into board games, that's even more stuff to lug around if you're carrying around more than one game. How do you get those things around without a truck? I definitely want to hear those things from you guys. Uh, but other than that, thank you for listening. If you are 
watching on Twitch uh, or watching on YouTube, please uh, give us a follow or as YouTube says, like and subscribe. Uh, if you have mm-hmm. feedback, we definitely love feedback. So you can send it to us at podcast at layerofsecrets.com via Twitter at Layer of Secrets for as long as Twitter still lasts. Since it's been having some trouble, we've also we're all also now on Mastodon uh, at dicecamp.com. We are at Layer of Secrets at dicecamp.com. And uh, we stream this live on Twitch. If you want to get your fix of things early and unedited, we are Layer of Secrets, one word over there. You can also visit, and this is like the mothership, the the main cave, the the sections of all the vaults, uh, the front door, if you will, is LayerofSecrets.com. Uh, and leave us some feedback, topics, ideas, um, or your own thoughts on what we've talked about. We have comments open uh, open over there, too. Thank you. And again, give us all your uh, GM uh, and player toolkits that you carry around. Thanks, everybody.